Hello and welcome to Billiken Babble, your St. Louis University Billiken basketball podcast that gives you the preview with the insiders and experts of whoever the Billikens are taking on next. We have our first away game of the season, so my adherence to the 15 to 20 to 30 minute range is a little less necessary as I figure less people will be driving as I do to Shape It's Arena to see the game. They'll be going to the Mohegan Sun for the tip-off tournament MTE where the Billikens will be taking on the Maryland Terrapins in an interesting game. Another big time game in a week full of them. The Billikens are coming off of their win against Memphis in a dramatic ending that kind of felt like it got way too, well it definitely didn't kind of feel like it definitely got way too close, but it ultimately ended up in a Billiken victory. Moving them to 3-0, they now take on the Maryland Terrapins of the Big Ten. Maryland, also 3-0, have not played nearly the schedule that the Billikens have played even, and it's going to be their first real test. But in order to get ready for that game, I talked to our new friend, Emily Giambalvo. She is of the Washington Post. She covers Maryland Athletics. So she covers primarily the football and basketball team with some other things sprinkled in. She's been doing this for five years. So there's very little, there are very few folks in the industry who know this basketball team quite like she does. She's an excellent chat. I'm really looking forward to people hearing that. So let's go to that interview now. And then we'll recap at the end here some of my thoughts about this game, the last game, things to come in the future, and what Emily had to say about the game. So let's go talk to Emily right now. We now welcome on to Billiken Babble our new friend all the way from Baltimore, technically Maryland, kind of D.C. with the Washington Post, Emily Giambalvo. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm so excited. The Billikens and the Terrapins, the Terrapins, which prior to learning about the Billikens, easily my favorite name, nickname in college basketball. They're headed to Connecticut. What are you excited about for this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's probably on paper or maybe based on the names a bit underrated i think it's a really good game for maryland and um we'll i'm sure we'll talk about this more but like maryland's played three games they've won them all easily they have a new coach a brand new roster and all three of those games were pretty easy and i think unless you pull up your kimpom and see that st louis is pretty darn good then i think a lot of maryland fans might be overlooking this and and could be a situation where I, I don't know if Maryland should feel like, of course, they're going to win this game. It seems like they could very well lose. They could lose twice in Connecticut. And it, it is interesting to think because I do think this weekend will start to shape how people feel about the Kevin Willard era at Maryland. And um, it, it should be a telling game, I think, for seeing how good and talented this Maryland team might be. Now, before we get too into the weeds, I do want to introduce you a little bit. I want to find out a little bit more about you so that the listeners out there kind of get a sense of who we're, we're talking to here. Emily, can you kind of give us the elevator pitch or the Reader's Digest version of how you got to covering uh, Maryland basketball? Yeah, so I, I grew up in South Carolina, went to the University of Georgia, was totally a SEC college football person, and then got the job covering Maryland and was really excited because I, I, I love covering college sports. Like I was a South Carolina person. Uh, we don't really do pro sports down there. So um, I love college sports, but had never been around a college basketball culture. And then as soon as I got on the Maryland beat, I'm like, oh, wait, this is actually really fun. And now I'd probably consider myself someone who enjoys college basketball more. So I've been covering Maryland football and men's basketball for this, my fifth season. Um, and, and they've really been a fun team to cover and, and a bit chaotic, too, with some coaching changes. 
that's a good place to start getting into the weeds here. Coaching change. Kevin Willard has come in. In your conversations and your reporting with the program, with the coach, what have you come to learn about Kevin Willard and what to expect from his programs? Yeah, I mean, I think he has really done a great job so far if you want to talk about the quote-unquote winning the press conference I mean he's pretty much won every press conference he's done um mostly because I think he just is smart and did his homework about what Maryland fans want to hear um Maryland fans had grown extremely apathetic and were frustrated with Mark Turgeon who had been the school for 11 years and they wanted someone who was going to lean into expectations and, and like not be afraid of saying like, we want to win a national title here and things like that. So he's done a great job in terms of energizing the fan base. It is a little funny though, because if you look at his resume and you look at Mark Turgeon's resume, they are pretty similar with in terms of having pretty good teams, but not a lot of NCAA tournament success. And I think what Maryland is really banking on is the fact that, okay, this, is, this isn't this is CN Hall. This is Maryland. You should have more resources here um, and you can do better. But it's like the jury's still out. Like, it, how is this going to go? Nobody really knows. Um, and we won't decide that this year, but uh, it's a fascinating thing to be part of when you're just watching a fan base decide how they feel about a coach. We're now three games into that Kevin Willard era. Have we learned much about that? I mean, you look at the schedule and it's not exactly eye-popping yet. Right. And and it's funny, though, like, it it has started to play out a little bit how you think a, a Kevin Willard team would. Maryland actually played Seton Hall twice um, and lost both times when Kevin Willard was the coach there. And he's very much a defensive guy. And I think Maryland has Maryland's players have gone into that and and they've been playing with incredible intensity like Kevin Willard has seemed like a guy who just like is not going to take low effort like he's really into practicing hard high intensity things like that which the Maryland fan base loves hearing that Um, so they've been great defensively and he has said like as long as they're playing hard defensively like I'm fine with just giving them some freedom offensively. Like I'm not going to tell them to stop shooting. Like I'm just, if, if they're playing hard, I'm going to let them do what they want. So that's kind of what this Maryland team looks like a coach who hangs his head on defense. And then um, offensively is free flowing is moved around a lot better than Turgeon's teams did, um, but aren't necessarily playing great offensively in terms of how they're shooting the ball, at least so far. This may be a good place to transition a little bit into getting into the personnel. Who are some of the stars of this Maryland Terrapin basketball team that we can expect to see play out in this St. Louis Maryland game? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have some talented players. At this point, I wouldn't say they have like stars, which which kind of is the root of what could end up being the problem for this team. Um, Julian Reese is a sophomore forward and he's had two back-to-back really good games. I'm not quite sure how he'll hold up in the big 10 just because it is so hard at that position. But I, I think in a game like this, like Julian Reese might be able to have another good game. And then you have a pair of seniors and Dante Scott and Hakeem Hart. Um, Dante Scott has had he's looked really good this year um he lost like 30 pounds this summer like he's a big physical guy but but he's also now like I think feels like he's physically in better shape and um can shoot the ball pretty well and Hakeem Hart 
probably goes underrated. He's a super quiet guy. You know, I've covered him for four years now. You're not going to get much out of him. Um, and, and he kind of is like that on the court. Like he scored 13 points the other night. And I told someone after the game, if you had asked me how many points Hakeem Hart scored, I probably would have said like seven. Like he just kind of does things right. And he's a really great defender. Um, he and Ian Martinez, who comes off the bench, kind of lead Maryland's effort in forcing turnovers, which they that's been an early sign. And Kevin Willard seems they they press a good bit and um, have been kind of pesky defensively. And Hakeem Hart is one of the guys who um, is often getting in passing lanes and, and getting steals. And, and we talked to him the other day and he just like loves that side of the game. So he, he's fun to watch. I'm looking at this team's roster right now, specifically like the heights and weights and it it looks like this is a really big team like there's there's a lot of size to this team have they tried to play with that size early is that a defining feature of their team or is that something they've struggled with so far yeah so I, i would actually say it's a bit of a struggle um just because julian reese is your starter and then behind him they're really still trying to figure out what to do at that position so so they've they've had some lineups when julian comes out where it's more of like a a power forward at, at the five spot um, yeah. and not a center. Like they have um, a freshman Callum Swanson Roger, and then a junior Arno Rivas, who's been around for a while, but, but hasn't really played. So they have some depth guys, but I don't really think at this point, any of those type guys um, are like big 10 caliber. Um, they do have some good depth at like the wing spot. And, and that's kind of where you start seeing a lot of these lineups that are just like, you know, a bunch of guys between like six five and six eight. That's the thing that stands out to me because while SLU is sizey for the Atlantic Ten, at their center being six like, you know, their two centers are six nine, their wings are all in the six five to six six range. So it feels like when you look at the lineup, it feels like Maryland has this like really dominant height advantage and i'm curious if, if that'll play out have they have i'd imagine maryland hasn't played a team that can even remotely match up size wise with them yet but you're thinking more in terms of like how it plays out in the big 10 yeah and and really just the depth behind julian reese like dante scott's a big guy but he's not a center um so so but but julian reese is a guy that they think they can play for most of the game and, and if he has a good game then like i i do think he could um come away from that game and, and he's like the best player on the court. Um, but, but it's really just like the depth. And, and he's a guy who last year as a freshman, like got into foul trouble a good bit. He seemed to be improving in that regard this year. Um, but I, I do think Maryland might play some smaller lineups this year when, when Julian Reese isn't in the game. So through those three games, they've played Niagara, uh, Niagara, excuse me, Western Carolina and Binghampton is this this would be fair to say as the first real challenge Maryland has faced have they talked about it in that way or or has it yeah I think they know this um tournament is is the first challenge um I just think and and I'm sure the team is very aware of like the talent St. Louis has and and how they're projected to be I always just wonder like how many of the fans are actually logging on to Ken Palmer actually looking at how a team is and thinking like is this a guaranteed win or not um because it's I think it's going to be a drastic step up in competition I mean the the first three teams are all sub 250 in Ken Palm type teams so it wasn't even like a a gradual ramp up um so I I do think like this is 
you know, considerably going to be the first test and I think could be um, be really interested to see how they come out and play. And one of the things fans hated about Mark Turgeon teams where they often came out really slow and it was like they would get into a 15-point hole and, and then be stuck climbing out of that the whole game. Um, Kevin Willard has kind of taken, and it seems like the players, just that, that mindset of being intense, um, playing hard, they've done a lot better in that regard um, this year. But but it's like if this was a past Maryland team, I would almost worry with a game like this, do they come out and just like look totally flat and then spend the rest of the game trying to catch back up? So, so I think maybe that's something to look for is how they start and just see how aware they – they appear that this is this is a big test for them, even if it's not like the flashy name that you might think. So I want to ask a more, maybe more vague question, but in your time, you know, you've only been able to cover Kevin Willard for three games. You've been able to, I'm sure you've been able to do some reporting on what their expectations are and what they're hoping to play. For a successful Maryland team, what style, what type of basketball do you think equals success that this team has? Like for SLU, I like to say when they're when they're running around, when they're shooting, when they're playing downhill is when they're at their best. They're not best when they're slow and, and methodical. What type of basketball is maybe best for this Maryland team? You know, I think this team can play fast um, because they are athletic. Um, and I think for this team to win, they have to be great defensively I I think this is a team that has some offensive limitations um you know a couple of their best scores are people who jumped up a level um came from Charlotte came from Georgetown and are, are you know good players prolific scores at that level but um are still taking a step up some of the players I mentioned like Dante Scott Hakeem Hart like they're good players but not guys who are going to score 20 points a night like it just seems like this team is going to win games that are, you know, 58, 54 games and not because they're being played slow. You know, I think, I think Maryland could play pretty fast, but just be really good defensively, have its trouble offensively um, and scrape by with a win. So, so I do think that's how they'll play. It seems like they're, they've been given freedom offensively. Some past Maryland teams would be a point guard standing around dribbling for 10 seconds of the shot clock. And, um, and it's not always the most pleasing to watch, but this team has been um, playing faster. I think almost to their detriment at times. They're, they've sh- taken a lot of shots uh, pretty early in the shot clock and, and missed a lot of threes um, because it's a lot of guys who, as Kevin Willard said earlier this week, was like you know they they all think they can make every shot, which is great, but then that also means they just take a lot of shots. Um, so it's still trying to figure that out. They haven't been a great three point shooting team. Um, I do think this team can be good if it runs through Julian Reese and he kind of has the sophomore year that he's expected to have. And then another large scale, more vague question. What do you see as, you know, I I like to say like everyone likes to make the NCAA tournament. Everyone wants to win a conference, right? Like it's always fair to say like their goals are going to be to win the big one every year. What do you see as a really successful first season under Kevin Willard? Yeah, it's funny because it's like, I think if you'd ask anybody before the season, they would be quick to acknowledge, like, it's okay if Maryland doesn't go to the NCAA tournament. Like, maybe you don't say those words out loud because it sounds really bad, Um, but it is the first year under a new coach, and I think people are understanding of, like, the long game here. Um, 
so but then what happens is, is they come out and they play they're kind of fun to watch and you start thinking like oh like you know maybe they're a 10 seed um so I do think those thoughts have creeped into people's minds um I think playing in the NCAA tournament would be kind of like the 50 percentile expectation mm. so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't um I think the big 10 and I know that's not what we're talking about here but I think the big 10 is going to be weird this year like it, it's just like mm-hmm. um maybe Maryland gets some wins they're not supposed to get and they're projected to finish 10th in the big 10 if they finish like eighth or you know I think that would be a exceeding expectations um I th- I think the real way to judge if people are happy with this year is more so with like those style of play things we've talked about and and like recruiting like are there noticeable changes to the program that make this more sustainable long term um because it is a new coach and then you start thinking okay make it to the tournament next year the year after then it starts becoming a question of can they do the things they want maryland to do as in make it to the sweet 16 make it further um win a big 10 title and things like that. But for right now, I think people are more focused on um, kind of laying the groundwork and showing some signs that watching a Kevin Willard team is going to be an enjoyable experience. That is Emily. She is with the Washington post. Can you tell us where we can find the things you do elsewhere? And if we can support any other endeavors you have out there i always like to say if you have a charitable organization to plug now's the time stuff stuff like that uh yeah so uh washingpost.com is where everything is um i know people are acting like twitter is all going to just poof into oblivion any minute now but i am thank god i know everyone's like follow me here and i'm like if twitter goes like I'm thrilled and you are not following me anywhere. <laughs> like we, But I, as of now, I am on Twitter, Emily G-M-G-I-A-M. Um, so you don't have to spell my whole last name. And that's pretty much where everything is. That is Emily. Thank you so much for your time. I can't wait for this weekend. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to the Washington Post's Emily Giambalvo for coming on to Billiken Babble and chatting a little Terrapins Billikens basketball, getting us ready for the event at Mohegan Sun. The Billikens will obviously be playing Maryland on Saturday at noon, and then on Sunday we'll be taking on the winner or loser of Providence versus Miami. I thought Emily provided some really interesting context. Context isn't the right word. Framing as to how Maryland sees itself and wants to be seen, um, and how that team is covered maybe a little bit differently than other teams are that we've been talking about, especially lately. Um, Maryland is a power five program, plain and simple. They frame everything they do against the rest of the big 10, which is Michigan, Indiana, Michigan state, Ohio state, you know, like we're, we're, we're framing it against all those rather than framing it against uh, Dayton and VCU and it's just a little bit different way to frame things, right? Like when I asked her, the you know Maryland seems really big, and she she frames it as well. Actually, they're kind of small for a program of that size, right? They they feel like they have a size disadvantage compared to even the Billikens, who are you know above them in the Ken Palm, right? The Billikens are thirty first, Maryland is forty fourth. They have a size advantage, and she doesn't see it that way because when you frame it out over the larger spectrum of who they'll play this year. It's not an advantage for them. It's a huge source of concern. 
so so that was interesting um i find it interesting to see like there is it, it's gonna be one of those interesting games because she's right like maryland fans might not see it this way but this is the first real test of the season because even though slew is a hot uh mid to high major program it's definitely not power five yet if, or who will you know who knows i'm not going to get too into the weeds on that but there was a lot of interesting stuff there um they're they're in for a defensive battle does slew have the um firepower to shoot its way out of that kind of thing does slew have a um you know can they play enough quality defense something they've showed they've had struggle with this year to okay so if we can keep them up if, if no one's going to score we're going to have to have a defensive battle where we make sure they can't score either so it's a different type of game i think there is a huge point of concern on that size issue i can't stress that enough they have a lot of size and a lot of athletic players on that team and that's something that slew has really struggled with early, early this season every time you get this mobile big man like uh yasin toomey with evansville who was really good uh, a bunch of the um, Murray State guys had showed some really interesting stuff. Um, DeAndre Williams from Memphis, the, that big forward who kind of took Slew to work because they were in foul trouble. Uh, they're gonna have they're gonna have to face a lot of bigger, stronger dudes who maybe aren't as skilled, but can definitely overpower you. And game planning for that might be very, very difficult to execute in the way you want it to. This is the first of a series of games. Obviously, that's really, really big against big time opponents that that's more it right like the games are big but like besides next wednesday where paul quinn comes between these two games at the tip-off event uh i'm i'm blanking on what the actual tip-off event is is called they all they all have a name right like but it uh, the hall of fame tip-off the 2022 basketball hall of fame tip-off um that's the name of it. It, it, it that's a big game you'll play you know two power five schools then paul quinn then auburn the way it's shaping up right now if you hold your own you'll be ranked next week not that that really matters in the long run but that's definitely an a introduction to the world that is important beat maryland beat whoever go to auburn on the road for the first true road game only one of only two true road games this non-conference season and maybe you have a shot at doing something interesting that's, you know, maybe get revenge for last year where they came on New York. But Maryland first. That'll be on at noon Saturday on ESPN News. So thank you again to our new friend Emily at the Washington Post. You can follow her on Twitter, so long as Twitter continues to be a thing. I'm not sure how you'll find out about this if you if you don't, but she'll be there. I'll be there until, until it shuts down for good. Check it out. Postgame Spaces, again, another thing that... I don't know how I'm going to manage it, what I'm going to do when Twitter falls apart inevitably, but until it does, I'll be on the post-game Twitter spaces talking about the basketball game. Uh, keep an eye out for a pre-game or halftime one as well with them being on the road. there I have more flexibility at my home studio to do that kind of stuff, so or just to have the space to do it, really. So keep an eye out for that. And like, comment, subscribe. Tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. If you have something you want me to touch on in the next show, shoot me a DM, drop me a note somewhere, maybe in the comment section or something or another. Tell all your friends, I'm here. The Billikens are taking on the Terrapins this weekend. Let's see if the Billikens can go on a nice little run here, start the season 4-0.